Hey everyone, it's Jim Sirk with the Medical Sales Nation. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks for joining in on this podcast. So this is one of many that are going to be coming. This one is called Collaborative Sales Culture Creation. And this is the first of many to come. Charlie and I work with companies that are uh, asking uh, you know, for our help to build sales organizations from scratch, turnarounds, and uh, upscale. And what we decided to do was share, you know, his 35 plus years of experience, my 25, and how we go about building a sales organization. We're going to just give it out to you on what we do and how we do it and why we do it. And this is for not only startups and turnarounds, but if you're a regional manager and district manager, area manager, whatever they call uh, the titles um, at your company, you can use these concepts to build a stronger team, not only your sales team, but build a stronger team internally with your with your sales organization. And so, we're going to lay these out somewhat in a in a chronological order. A lot of this stuff is going to go on simultaneously, but we're going to lay it out as this is step one, step two, step three. So um, we hope you enjoy it. It's it's truly, I think, educational and. You might not agree with everything, but there's a lot to grab onto and and think about at any stage of your career as a uh, someone who's building sales organizations. And like I said, it's based on you know third Charlie's 35 years of experience, my 25, and so there's probably a little bit of value in that. So um, hopefully you like it and send us emails, con- comments, what you'd like to hear uh, more of. Go to iTunes. Go to SoundCloud. You know, subscribe and uh, you know, send us uh, send us your comments. So, without any further ado, let's get at it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Medical Sales Nation. It's Jim Surick. And Charlie Johnson. Hey, Charlie. Um, I'm in Chicago. It's Saturday. We got seven inches of snow. I've already plowed the driveway, or plowed, I used my snowblower once, shoveled it again, and now it's drifting. So I could I could tell you what I'm going to be doing in two hours. <laughs> it's coming my way, too. So Right. We'll be dealing with that later tonight. God, that's, you know, but that's what makes Chicagoans and Northeasterners the tough people we are, right? That's right. That's right. Toughness comes from living in the cold. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Especially if you grew up here because you were, yep. sho- you, I was shoveling snow when I was eight. So. That's right, man. Making money. Yep. That's right. So, and because my dad made me. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, that I, too. If I wanted to eat, I was going to go shovel that snow. Yeah. But did you live on a corner? No. Mm-mm. That was hell. Oh, did you live remember? On a cor- corner is all all shoveling snow oh. to the front, to the side, right? Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's true. No, no corner. Thank God. So, Charlie, I thought, um, you know, we would talk a little bit about, you know, our expertise is, is really in building sales organization, restructuring sales organizations, upscaling sales organizations, really anything to do with just growing a sales organization from from 
you know, from the beginning into the middle to the end. So, and Jim, we have a lot of experience with that. You know, you know, from our long career, you know, close to sixty years now. Uh, you know, we've both been VPs. You have multiple companies, and we work together to take three, four, you know, startup companies to achieve their exit strategy. Yeah. So. Yeah, all and, of that was building organizations to be successful. Yeah, and so you know, a lot of you know emails that come in and um, are asking questions about the sales organization and the companies that you know we're working with on on helping you know build their their sales organizations and and you know from scratch and or turnarounds and upscaling them, growing them. It's it the the conversation always starts about the sales organization and which it should. But what I want to talk about is there's multiple steps. And so we're going to do multiple podcasts on this subject matter. We're going to try to go in this order in which you look at a sales organization and you try to build it. A lot of it's going on at the same time, but the way you think about it is in this chronological order. And that's the, the one thing that... I really see companies with their eyes open and we start talking about, no, it's not about your VP of sales hire. It is, but there, you need to have methods, processes, systems to be thinking about how you're going to grow it today, how you're going to grow it in six months, a year from now. And you got to put that all together and not be winging it as you know things happen because there's ups and there's downs and you have to be prepared for them. And to be prepared for them with those ups and those downs, a lot of it is based on the culture that you build. And I think um, what we want to talk about to start off is, is what kind of culture do you want to have in a sales organization that you know we've seen to be successful? But it's not, and this is the other thing that gets distorted and becomes a problem for companies over the long term. The sales organization is not the only piece of the culture. It shouldn't be we have a sales culture, then we have a marketing culture. Oh, and over here we have an R&D culture. That's where silos are built and that's where things get confused. And then when there are problems, that lack of cohesive culture breaks down. And, Agreed. Right? And so what we want to talk about first is this culture and what do we mean by a, a culture. And a lot of times, you know, CEOs ha are, are creating a culture and you need to come into that understanding what culture they see ingrained in that culture that they want, but at the same time be additive to the process and it, and share it through these sales methods and processes. So I thought, you know, Charlie, that a good place to start is us talking about a culture and what that means about building a sales culture within an organization that um, works together to uh, for a common good, for a common purpose. Thoughts? Well, of course, Jim. Uh, you know, culture is really the one of the critical factors of success. In fact, you realize that uh, fifty percent of all mergers and acquisitions fail, and the number one reason they fail is the, the lack, inability to integrate the culture. So, it's a very powerful and important topic to be to discuss. As a 
sales as a sales leader, uh, regardless of the title or chief commercial officer, uh, one of the things that you want to be able to do is to integrate the company into the knowledge of what the sales culture is going to be and try to align the sales culture with the organizational culture so that everybody is working, you know, in the same kind of personality so that we can converse, convert with each other, converse with each other. We can solve problems together. We can identify issues together and really embrace the issues and not just point fingers from one department to another. When you talk about silo organizations, it's a lot of companies start out as what we call a power culture where, you know, the CEO is the founder, the, the inventor very often in the technology, and he'll put people around him who report to him at the top levels. And very often that's what creates a silo organization where people at lower levels can't integrate really and talk to each other because their cultures are different. Yeah. So it's okay. So let's talk about Okay, so you've laid out, you know, the problem that that can happen with not having an aligned culture. So if I'm a, if I'm someone listening to this podcast, and I want to know. Okay, great, I understand that, right? You got to have this alignment. So, so how have we approached it over the years? How have I approached it over the years? And it's grown and it's evolved because when, you know, I was, uh, you know, early thirties VP of sales. Um, I was still learning and I'm still learning today, but I can reflect back and look forward, you know, all at the same time and, and to share this information. And so what I'm recommending, you know, to, to our clients is that this culture that you want to build, um, you want to build not a sales silo culture, like we said, but integrate that concept of us as a sales organization, working with R&D, working with marketing, working, you know, even, you know, with the, the clinical department as well um, as they're doing, you know, their papers and research and and sitting down with everyone and saying, hey, you know, I'm sitting down with R&D. I want you to tell me R&D. I want you to tell me about the product. And I said, I want to learn from you. And then I'm going to go to marketing and I'm going to have them tell me about the product. Then I'm going to go and I'm going to go work with the clinical department and anyone else that really has or believes they have an insight into the product in the market. And I want to make sure that um, I'm getting all the information I can from everyone about the product and how you as an R&D person think this product should be sold and marketed. And I'm going to do it with every other department. And through this process, I'm, I'm trying to engage with all the departments, all the department heads, so that we become one team. Now, there, there is a big problem or could be a big problem with this is that you're not, I'm not going to be able to take everybody's input and implement everybody because there is going to be conflict. There's going to be, um, uh, there's going to be disagreement on on things, which is fine. You're not going to avoid that, but you have to agree upon, you know, the most salient points. And as the 
you know, the, the VP of sales, you're, you're developing the sales organization, you're going to have to really make that final decision on how you're going to want to message, how you're going to want to train to this. But by bringing everybody in together, you're setting up a culture, right? And you're setting that culture up in which we are all one team. And we are all accountable for each other. Now, we have to go execute it in the field. But I want to know how you view things. I want to know how you see things. I want to know what you know about this marketplace. But at the end of the day, I still have to make that decision on how we're going to attack, how we're going to train. But right. by building that, and I'm, I'm calling it a closed-loop system because – you take this information. You're going to throw it out to the to the to the marketplace. That information that um, we're going to gain back from the sales organization is going to be fed in, and every department has to be able to take that information that's coming back from the market. Leave your ego at the door and just absorb what the market might be telling you. Now that doesn't mean the market is absolutely correct, and that doesn't mean everything everyone's saying is correct. But you have to take the salient points that you find across the country. Um, as being common to start looking at them. Jim, let's step back a moment. Just let's step back. What what you've described is that the first step in building this uh, culture is creating an environment for open communication. Correct. So the first step in creating your culture is communicating with all of the departments and letting every department feel as though you care about what they think and what they feel, because that will p- open people up to being engaged in a closed loop communication system where that communication system is constantly working, not just on one issue, but on all issues all of the time. Right. So this is a system in which you and you're, you, you laid it out perfectly, Charlie. That's exactly it. We're engaging with the department's we're going to create a culture in which we're going to use information that we may not agree with or we do agree with, but it's coming at us and we're going to put our egos aside and we're going to work together forever. This isn't, um, you know, I've said it before, you know, I've talked about Lou Bennett and he always would say, you know, sales is not an event. It's a process that never ends. And, and sales and marketing is exactly that. You go out to a marketplace and you build that culture where we're all working with you, with each other and we're all talking and you set that up and it never ends, right? We're always doing that. And then what we're doing though with that culture, we are holding ourselves accountable. We're creating, you know, what I, I would call an accountability culture because we're, we're engaging, but then we're also saying we're going to work together to a common goal. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. So we have a cult. We're gonna, we don't want to put labels on this culture. We want to put the components of this culture. So we have a communication culture, right? Right. In which we are, hold each other accountability and accountability culture. Yeah. Now, now that's uh, important because unless you're accountable, you can't expect anybody else to be accountable. And in order to prevent the silos from having finger pointing at the top. We have to engage relationships with each other. Now, very often those relationships are harder to engage with. They're the sales force or the sales leadership with the marketing team. It's downstream marketing. It's like a brother and sister, right? Sure. Now, now your upstream marketing team, well, not so much, but you still want to engage with them about what you see coming down the future. And then with your R&D team, particularly when you start, 
it's critical that you have an open communication and maintain that. And then with manufacturing as well as quality, quality control, all of those departments ultimately need to understand that the communication, the information that we're trying to communicate is that which we're hearing from our customers. Correct. Because we want an accountable culture, accountable to the customer. That's well. right. So, and that's really what it comes down to, right? So when you have an accountability culture, it's to the customer. You're wrapping yourself around that customer and you're engaging, Charlene, you're absolutely right. You're engaging with what the market is telling you and that's the customer. So when sales reports back, hey, this is what we're hearing from the market, it shouldn't be an argument. It's like, hey, this is what they're saying. And, you know, and unfortunately, you know, R&D, founders of companies, they just fall in love with their products and their baby can never be called ugly. And we're not trying to call it ugly. We're just saying this is what the customer is saying. So let's be accountable to not only from an achievement perspective, but be accountable to that customer-centric focus. And no matter what they're saying, and listen, I, I've been on that side of the, the fence where we've done uh, you know, survey monkeys and it com comes back and some of it's about, hey, the sales reps... Um, in the field or my sales rep from this company doesn't know this or isn't doing that. Well, that's, that's now my responsibility as the VP of sales to react to that, to fix it, not to argue with the customer, right? Right. So now I'm accountable to the customer in this achievement culture to overcome that and retrain, you know, develop product knowledge, whatever that is, that the market is telling me my sales reps are lacking. Right. So it doesn't become this finger pointing. And if you establish this in the beginning, and I think that's the thing that I'm trying to communicate too, establish this when you show up to be that VP of sales. You're going to be that person. Establish these relationships and say, this is what I'm going to do and I need your help to do this. I need your participation. And you may not like some of the things that you're going to hear, but I'm not, not here to do that. I'm just accountable to the customer to achieve goals, to hit revenue targets so we all can be successful. And that's, you know, that's how I look at it as the, the start of building that, is building those internal relationships and how we're going to communicate with each other wrapped around the customer. That's great, Jim. You also mentioned a word, uh, achievement culture. Now, part of our ultimate culture that we're creating, our hybrid culture, if you will, the achievement culture is important for the employees across yes. the board to find the satisfaction for some of their intrinsic motivators. Now, most companies create cultures where we satisfy people through extrinsic uh, extrinsic. Uh, methods like more money, more time off, more raises and things of that nature. Now, those work to a certain point. This millennial generation, if there's one thing they're showing me, is they have more intrinsic drivers, things that mean more to them than just the money or the vacation time and things of that nature. What, how do, does going to work, how can we create that work environment such that people want to go to work and they enjoy the engagement and interaction and communication with each other? So an achievement culture is one which works on the internal organization to make people feel better about their work, which in turn 
will accommodate many of the customer issues that come along. Yeah, absolutely. So Because if I feel good about my company and what we do and the products that we put out, then I'm going to be open to listening to, you know, cr- criticism from a customer yep. and not be defensive. Correct. And say I need to fight back to protect our position. Right. No, and you know you bring it you bring this up Charlie and you're absolutely right. This millennium generation gets a it gets a bad rap. Um and actually I've probably learned more from this generation than any other generation about this sharing community, this giving community. Because, um, and Simon Sinek says it all the time, right? Um, uh, don't tell me you know, what you do, but tell me why you do it. So a lot of times I found, especially over at Intellis, that I would sit down with some of the young managers or young sales reps. And you know, I learned this by working with this generation. And they're not that complicated. They're, they're great human beings. But I'd say the reason why you want to look at it this way, okay, whether it was a, a, a messaging that we were trying to convey, a pivot in a strategy, and or as, your, as a manager, why you want to learn, you know, a CRM system, you know, salesforce.com, um, is because for your development over the long haul of your career, these skill sets can never be taken away from you. It's just like education, right? It's, you can't take your education. So do this because you're going to benefit from this personally. You're going to grow from this. And when you implement it in the field or internally, if you're an internal, you know, marketing person or manufacturing or um, R&D person, if you embrace this, you're going to create something better for your customers and your customers' patients. And that works. And and it's not manipulation because it's true. It's it's just a different way of communicating of don't do this because I'm your boss. Do this because it's better for you, the customer, the patient, the healthcare system. And right. right? And it's just a different way of messaging it. And I just think through that, Charlie, is that um companies who embrace that, companies that understand that, companies that wrap themselves around it they're going to have higher retention rates they're going to have higher engagement and you'll be able to move faster because you're going to be getting great information in that's going to help you pivot and and get better at what you do and stop doing things that aren't working yeah and jim one thing that you brought up is that 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 potential for disagreement. Now, one of the ways to prevent that and really to work in a positive setup is to make sure that within your culture, you have a goal-oriented culture as well, right? Right. It, it really requires that all personnel set aggressive goals and are accountable to their successful outcomes. So if it's not whether you worked hard or didn't work hard what is it's about did you set aggressive goals and did you achieve them right there's no there's it's not open for interpretation yeah no you're absolutely right and that that's a really key part when we talk about this this culture that we're trying to create up front um this learning culture or this learning accountability culture and achievement culture when we say that achievement, and so on the sales side, we all know what that means. That means you got to hit your number, right? And right. 
Because if you don't hit your number, no matter how much we love each other, no matter how much we like communicating with each other, if we don't hit our numbers, we won't have a company, right? So you've got to, and this is part, and we'll get into this later in, in, uh, in some podcasts later about attracting talent, but you need to set forth up front within this, this conversation of culture, this goal setting. And for marketing, it's going to be one thing. For R&D, it's going to be another. But for sales, it's hitting this number. And like you said, it's not about how hard you worked or how little did you work. Did you set these um, stretch goals, if you want to call them that, or overachieving or goals? Or just uh, aggressive, aggressive goals. Aggressive goals. Okay. So aggressive goals. And did you get? And did you hit it? And did you make a plan, create a plan to get there? And if you're having a hard time, are you working and communicating with your boss? But it comes down to you have to have those goals. You right. have to have that part of this achievement accountability culture. And yep. and through that process, Charlie, as we're talking, like we just said, you know, a goal setting. Did you make it? Didn't you make it? Why did you make it? Why didn't you make it? I want to have that conversation and I want to have an open conversation so that we have a learning organization culture. So within this culture, there's different sub pieces to it, but the greatest organizations, and I've seen it with all the companies that we've worked at, we created, I was very intent on this, that we are going to create a learning organization. And it was at some point, some of the organization didn't want to hear what the sales reps were saying up front, but in the long term that's where that communication came from. Then we talk about feeding back in this closed loop system. That's learning. So I want to learn about the market that I'm going to feed back into the organization. And I want to learn why you didn't hit your number. And I want to know why you did. So I can take what you did and teach everyone else. And right. wh- why and how? How, right. how about how, Jimmy? Yeah, because it. it includes certain activities that people do that can consistently exceed their quota uh, compared to other people that do this, what they think are the same activities and don't succeed. Because it's not just the, as we said the other day, the last call, it's not just the quantity of your activity, it's the quality of what you do on every single day, on every single call. Yeah. And let me bring up an aside. You know, we talked about this intrinsic need to satisfy ourselves. That goes back to feelings. Remember how great it feels when you're ch- charging towards your quota and you know you're going to make it? Yeah, absolutely. Are you thinking about the check you're going to get? Are you thinking about, you know, you know the, the, uh, your ranking? You're, whatever you're thinking about, you, you're, it's how you feel. Yeah. That's, that was, for me, how I felt when I led my team to achievement was the most important driver of all right. versus how I felt when we failed. Yeah. Yeah. And how how I felt when I had to face my management, right? <laughs> having been a failure. Yeah. So yeah, no. that's what a lot of the achievement culture brings too. Yeah, and I and I think you know we can't be fearful of failure, right? Because everyone will tell you, you know, and I don't think it's just a you know uh, you know a statement that's being thrown out on the you know on the internet these days about fail fast, you know, and fail forward. Um, you know, that's kind of a, a tagline, but there's some truth to it that you're going to learn a hell of a lot more from failing. And you usually do in startups because you you really think that you know everything about what's going to happen and you don't, mm-hmm. right? right? And so you have to embrace failure as well. 
And when, if you create a learning organization, and, and, and maybe this is the, the home run here, if you create a learning organization within an accountability and achievement culture, people are willing to listen to failure and what's not working faster than they would if you didn't have that type of culture. Because then, it, then you've, what you have is this finger pointing, see sales sucks, you know, they don't know what they're doing, the training's terrible. No, we're talking to each other. I tried this, it didn't work. Maybe it's me or maybe it's what we're saying, but let's talk about it. And then you take someone um, who's doing something and it's like you said, it's, it's how you're doing it, but it's also why. You know, why does the customer, why is the customer's reacting to the way in which you're approaching it? I want to know why. Because go deeper into that why the customer's reacting to it, then you'll know what to do to teach everyone else. But that's that learning culture, right? Mm -hmm. So learn from success, learn from failure, pivot fast. And if you create and you bundle this all together, and it's really not that complicated, um, if you just bundle this achievement, accountability, goal setting, and learning culture together, and you have this closed feedback loop, an organization, a sales organization is going to flourish. It's going to have explosive growth, and you're going to have incredible relationships internally because you want your R&D team out in the field with your, with your reps riding. You want your marketing team team in the field writing, having open conversations, not being fearful of well, what are they going to say when they go back. It's okay. We're here as one team. We're accountable to each other. We're accountable to our customer. We have goals. You have goals. I have goals. I'm, and you're helping me hit mine. I'm helping you hit yours. And you're learning as uh, we're all learning from each other as we go through this, you will pivot faster, you will move faster, you'll have more fun doing this, you will attract better talent by setting up this type of culture in the beginning. And if you're interviewing for a job and you talk about these things and you get a lot of pushback, then that's something personally that you have to look at to find out if this is a place that you want to go. So Absolutely. Right? <laughs> right? I, There's no question. Right? And so what we're really talking about is that you know, for the medical sales nation, this is what's worked for us over the last, you know, 25, my 25 years, Charlie's 35 years. And we've, we've seen it work. We've developed it over years. It keeps evolving. So if you're in that position and if you're a district manager, you can still do this as a district manager. If you're a regional manager, you can do this in your region. You don't need permission from anybody to create this type of culture. You do a reset. You start talking differently. You're interacting differently. Bringing in your uh, departments, your marketing department, your R&D department on your team calls. Get those people out in the field working with your team. So once again, this isn't just about a startup. You can have impact and change in your company, in your current job if you – look at this just a little differently with a little bit more open mind about how do we become better at what we do every day. And I'm going to tell you, it's better than two eyes, right? Four eyes is better than two eyes. Ten eyes are better than four eyes. You know, you just more people involved to help you grow, you're going to grow faster. I couldn't agree more, Jimmy. I think that's a great way to sum up our ideas about creating the right culture for success. Yes. So, um, with that, um, we'll we'll uh, we'll go from go from that and end this podcast. But this is the first of many that are going to come out 
about the steps taking to build from scratch, turn around, upscale sales organizations based on our experiences. And we hope that this is something that you can take with you, learn and implement tomorrow. So with that, Medical Sales Nation, have a great week. And uh, until next time, good luck selling. Good luck and goodbye.